0: Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. As I was thinking about what I would share with you on the program today, I thought back to how this program ever came to be in the first place. And so for those of you who have never heard, it was like I finally surrendered my will to the will of God. For several years, as I would have my quiet time of reading the Bible and reading several devotional books that I've used, some for many years, I'd read something that would really speak to me, and I would wish that I could share it with someone because it was so meaningful. If I could just get some people to listen, really listen, and apply the truths found in the Bible in their daily lives, that it might change them as I know that it has changed me. And as a result, when it changes people, it also has an impact on the people in their sphere of influence. Children, their grandchildren, neighbors, friends, fellow workers, well, just about everybody you can think of. And so there was a still, quiet voice, you would say, who uh, would speak to me and say, you know, you can tell them. So anyhow, I'm going to sort of go through part of what I do every morning and things that I have run across, things that I read from, of course, the Bible. But I I want to tell you that a few days ago, I read this quote in the newspaper from an 11-year-old girl in Chicago named Zoe. And this is what she said. I believe that good stories have the power to change people. That was the end of her quote. Well, I believe that, too. And that is why, from time to time, I have people on this program who have dealt with different circumstances in their lives, some very unwelcome circumstances. It might be the, the death of a child, the death of a spouse, addiction. But through it all, they never lost their faith, and so they have confirmed the truth of Christ and what He said just before He ascended into heaven, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. When we share the truths of our journey and are transparent with who we are and what we have been through, it is an encouragement to others that they too can survive the trials that they are experiencing in life. So today, I'm going to go and look over the past week or two and what I have read and pass along to you uh, what I felt like was the best of the best, as Bill Gaither might say. As I start my devotional time each day, the first thing I do is pray, and this is the gist of what I say. Lord, please speak to me as I read from your word and the words of these devotional writers. Open my mind to understand your word, to believe your word, to love your word and to apply the truths of your word in my life, so that I might bring glory to you. The first thing I'd like to do is to read to you chapter 3 from the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. This is how it starts. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up, and clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so that they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not devise evil against your neighbor for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause, if he has done you no harm. Do not envy the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. There is so much wisdom from Solomon's words found in Proverbs, and I hope if you can, you will read a chapter each day. The next thing I usually read from is Henry and Richard Blackaby's book, The Experience. And now I will share with you what they have said concerning the verses I just read about trusting in the Lord with all your heart. It is one thing to trust God with your mind. It is quite another to trust Him with your whole heart. You may be convinced in your mind that God is powerful and able to take care of people's needs. But when problems come, nagging doubts creep in, and you wonder if He really is trustworthy with your needs. Will He really do what He said He would do? A common trap Christians fall into is trusting in our own instincts. We face a problem or decision, and we feel quite capable of handling it in our own way. That's when we are in danger. Proverbs urges us not to trust our own understanding of our circumstances. We deceive ourselves if we think we're smart enough to make the right choices apart from God. Probably heard someone say, God gave us brains, didn't he? He must want us to figure this out for ourselves. Actually. God gave us His Holy Spirit to guide and teach us in every decision, in every direction we take. He also gave us the Bible, other Christians, and access to Him through prayer. Considering these provisions, there is no need to live without His guidance. God wants you every day, in all things, to rely on His wisdom, not just when you are stumped and can't figure things out on your own. He wants you to trust Him above your own best reasoning. Live each day with an attitude of complete trust and obedience, and God will lead you in the right direction every time. In Joanna Weaver's book, At the Feet of Jesus, she points out three rock solid facts on which we can rest our hearts. Number one, God is love. Therefore, I am loved. Number two, God is good. Therefore, I am safe. And number three, God is faithful, therefore it's going to be okay, for God is incapable of doing anything less than marvelous things. That last point that Joanna Weaver has made, it reminds me of something Billy Graham said several years ago that I wrote down on a piece of paper and put in my Bible, and he said, I've read the last page of the Bible. It's all going to turn out all right. And then I would move on to Joyce Meyer, and when Joyce Meyer writes that we shouldn't worry about tomorrow, she quotes a verse from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew six thirty four. So, do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. Well, now, isn't that true? Woo. So, I'm going to read you a little bit of what she wrote about don't worry about tomorrow. Trying to solve tomorrow's problems today only steals the energy God has prearranged for you in order to enjoy today. Don't waste your time worrying. It is vain and useless. When Jesus instructed us not to worry about tomorrow, He was saying that we should deal with life one day at a time. He gives us the strength we need as we need it. When we take that strength He gives us and apply it to worry instead of living, we rob ourselves of the blessings God intended for us to have today. We miss out on good things because we worry about bad things that may not even come to be. A confident person does not worry because they see the future differently than those who are worriers. They confidently believe that with God's help, they can do whatever they need to do, no matter what it is. A positive attitude enables them to expect good things in the future, not bad ones. Confidence is the fruit of trusting God. When we trust Him, we may not have all the answers, But we are confident that He does. And then the little question part at the end, she says, Are you worrying about tomorrow when you should be focusing on today? Trust God to equip you for whatever comes today, tomorrow and in the future, so that you can receive the fullness of His gifts today. In his In Touch devotional, Charles Stanley refers to a living hope. And I will read from the New Testament book. Well, actually, it was a letter that uh, Peter wrote, his first letter. I'm going to be reading from First uh, Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away Reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ whom having not seen you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls and then i'm going to read you this from charles stanley's um in touch magazine situations it was talking about a burglar coming in and how that just shatters your safety and everything uh, situations like burglary remind us that this world is not our home. And then one day, we will leave everything behind. No one takes a moving van along after death. Therefore, we must make sure that what we view as treasure is not the things of this world, which will always lead to disappointment, but Christ who gives us a living hope. Look at all God has done to assure you of this hope. According to His great mercy, He caused you to be born again. Since Jesus was raised to life, you too will be resurrected. Everything on this earth is destined to perish, but God has reserved an inheritance for you in heaven, one that is imperishable, undefiled, and will never fade away. By God's power through faith, You are being protected for the culmination of your salvation, which will be revealed in the last day. Nothing can separate us from Christ, since God is the one who holds us, and He fulfills all His promises. So we can rejoice in this hope, even while facing the trials of earth. So set your heart on heaven, where Christ is, and store your treasures there. Then your love for Him will grow because of His goodness towards you. And knowing what awaits you in heaven will increase your joy. We recently were reminded of the tragedy at Columbine High School nearly 20 years ago. I want to read you this snapshot of the life of Rachel Scott, who was killed because she believed in God. This story is from the One Year Christian History book by Michael and Sharon Rustin. So now reading from that um, April 20th account here in in the book. Rachel Scott was just eight years old when her father... Pastor Daryl Scott walked out on her mother, leaving her with five children. A year later, Rachel's grandparents helped her mom move to Littleton, Colorado, and buy a home. When Rachel was 12, she had a life-changing spiritual encounter. She later wrote in her journal, Everyone was there at the altar, and I felt so drawn to it. You have to understand that I was so young. To be drawn that way, it was nothing short of God. That night, I accepted Jesus into my heart. I was saved, End of quote. From that time on, her family saw a spiritual depth beginning to develop in Rachel. Two years later, Rachel's mother remarried. During this difficult adjustment, Rachel became increasingly withdrawn and private. When she was 16, her mother gave her a journal, the first of many. Rachel began to chronicle her spiritual journey and commitment to Christ, a commitment that cost her deeply. She broke up with the boy she loved in order to keep herself chaste and later was rejected by five of her closest friends for talking openly about her faith. On April the 20th, 1998, one year to the day before she died, she wrote these words, I have no more personal friends at school, but you know what? It's all worth it to me. If I have to sacrifice everything, I will. Rachel had no idea of the sacrifice she would ultimately make. On April the 20th, 1999, Rachel sat outside the cafeteria when two troubled students, armed with guns, came up the stairs at Columbine High School. They opened fire, hitting her three times. After leaving to find more victims, they returned to where Rachel lay crying in pain. One of them lifted her head by her ponytail and jeered, Do you believe in God? She answered, Yes. He put the gun to her temple and killed her. About a month after Rachel's funeral, her father received a phone call from a stranger who told him about a dream he had. As Darrell recalled it, he dreamed about her eyes and a flow of tears that were watering something that he couldn't quite see in the dream. He was adamant about the eyes and tears and wanted to know if that meant anything to me. He told me that the dream had haunted him for days, and he knew there was a reason for it. Her father had no idea what the dream could mean. Several days later, he picked up Rachel's backpack from the sheriff's office. Inside were two journals, one with a bullet hole through it. He turned to the last page of her most recent diary and was dumbfounded to see a drawing of her eyes with a stream of 13 tears watering a rose. The tears appeared to turn into drops of blood as they touched the rose. The number of tears matched the number of victims at Columbine. It practically took his breath away to see in Rachel's final diary exactly what the stranger had described to him a week earlier. Looking in previous diaries, her parents discovered that same rose drawn a year before Rachel's death. The earlier drawing simply showed the rose with the blood-like drops, not her eyes or the clear tears, and it showed the rose growing up out of a columbine plant, the state flower from which Columbine High School got its name. Rachel's diaries reveal the heart of a young woman who loved her Lord. When the time came to put her faith on the line, she was prepared to pay the ultimate sacrifice. And in the reflection for this reading, the question is, are you willing to put your faith on the line and speak boldly of your Savior? If we follow Rachel's example of committing ourselves completely to Christ, we too will be willing to sacrifice all if called upon to do so. And the verse here that's um, written is Luke nine twenty four. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. And then I'm going to move on to a quote that I, I just saw in the Turning Point magazine attributed to C.S. Lewis. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. So if you are looking for happiness and peace in your life, you better get as close to God as you can and stay there. And the last thing I'd like to share with you today comes from Randy Alcorn's book, 90 Days of God's Goodness. And the title of this um, devotional reading is Christ's Own Choice. And the verses I'm going to read to you come from John chapter 10, verses 7 through 18. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now, Alcorn, these are Alcorn's words in this um, devotional. Jesus was no one's victim. Quote, I lay down my life No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And that was what Jesus said. It's one thing to suffer terribly, another to choose to suffer terribly. In his love for us, God self-imposed the death sentence. Later, upon being arrested, he said, Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? He submitted willingly to humiliating torture and execution, fulfilling his Father's will to win our salvation. God's Son bore no guilt of his own. He bore ours alone. The temptation to end it all must have been overwhelming. With no more than a thought, just the unspoken word, Come, Christ could have called upon waiting armies to strike down his torturers and bring him instant relief. Perhaps the greatest wonder is not that Jesus went to the cross, but that he stayed on it. Why did Jesus hang on it for six hours, rather than six seconds or six minutes, perhaps as a reminder that suffering is a process? God does not end our suffering as soon as we would like. He did not end His Son's suffering as soon as He would have liked. We stand in good company. Christ foresaw the good even as He faced the bad, and that helped Him to endure. He is the one who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that verse is from Hebrews 12, too. If God brought eternal joy through the suffering of Jesus, can he bring eternal joy through my present suffering and yours? If Jesus endured his suffering through anticipating the reward of unending joy, can he empower you and me to do the same? And here's the short prayer at the end. Lord, thank you for being the good shepherd who laid down your life for your sheep. We praise you that you were no one's victim that you deliberately and intentionally gave your life as the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And I want to close with this verse from Romans 15:13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh,